What up, world? Welcome on to another episode of the Ocho, presented to you in partnership, as always, with SB Nation's blog and theboys.com. My name RJ Ochoa. You know me, of course, from ETB and from Riders, your humble host on the Ocho. It is Thursday, the third day, December 21st, 2023. We hope all is well wherever you are. We hope you're happy, safe, healthy, and my oh my, it felt good to do the classic tried and true What Up World. It's obviously been a minute. My voice has been under the weather for I think something like six weeks at this point in time. I'd be lying if I said I felt 100%, uh, but I definitely feel somewhere around, I don't know, 95 to 97. Uh, we have a very big show for you in store today. Uh, we actually have two guests, so not going to spend a lot of time, uh, you know, dilly-dallying around here. First up, we have Aaron Schatz from FTN Fantasy. Aaron joined us, you may recall, a couple of weeks back to kind of talk about the lay of the NFC East, the lay of the NFC playoff picture. And obviously, while this did not happen very recently, the Dallas Cowboys have done some incredibly good things since then and kind of changed their fortunes and their fortunes have been changed not just because of what they've done but because of what's happened around them what with the Philadelphia Eagles losing three games in a row there are a lot of opportunities um, kind of at stake and at play um, and they obviously all require some help for the Cowboys from different teams uh, in certain senses we'll talk about at the very end but let's get to our very first interview I don't want to waste any time like I said from FTN Fantasy the home of DVOA and so much more tremendous content Aaron Schatz joins us next right here on on the Ocho. Very pleased to be joined by the one and only, the legendary, my best friend in the universe. From FTN Fantasy, it is Aaron Schatz. Aaron, how do you feel about uh, you and I being best friends at this point? Oh, it's, I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's an improvement for us. You know what I mean? Um, I think this is good for you and I, for our futures, for our past uh, in some respects. Um, we're appreciative uh, of you taking the time to join us again at Blog on the Boys. I do feel I think I sound a little bit more chipper, but I feel like Cowboys fans are a lot more chipper than the last time you and I spoke. Wait, you're more chipper now than the last time we spoke? Because this was not a good week. Well, okay, this was not a good week, but relative to the overall situation, right? Like last week happened, and that's fair, but so did the five weeks prior, and so have the Eagles, you know, fraudulence being revealed. That's that's our term. You don't. This you is don't true. This is true. So, yeah, I guess Cowboys fans are doing better. There's a better chance of winning the division than I think a few weeks ago, even with the loss to Buffalo. Exactly. I actually wanted to ask you, because one of my favorite things that you've always done is come up with great terms for how to, uh, you know, define certain things that your data and your metrics kind of ultimately yield, uh, but kind of cute little names. And I, I say that in a very complimentary way. I wish there was a term for something like Monday night where Cowboys fans are completely and totally derailed to your point, right? Like, not, like none of this matters. None of this has any kind of significance in my life. I can't believe I associate my emotional well-being with this football team to then the Eagles lose and you're, you're snapped right back into it. You know, like we need a, a, a DVOA or some sort of it's like, called you know, Freuder, dude. <laughs> that might be it. Uh, that, that might be the, the very best term. Um, but if anyone was capable of, of pulling that off, it was certainly you. Uh, you're the smartest person uh, when it comes to NFL data, mining it, calculating it, sharing it, disseminating it. And so uh, I'm excited to pick your brain again. You mentioned that the Cowboys have uh, a better chance of winning the division. I, I think in an eye test way and in a mathematical way um, than they did you know, prior to that five-game winning streak. And obviously that's aided by the Eagles having lost and the Cowboys playing really well some of that's out of dallas's control at this point just because of various tiebreakers our rooting guide 
uh, this week on our side is very long because we're down to the strength of victory tiebreaker. So oh, uh, we're, we're really. Oh, my God. Yeah. Although the Eagles probably win the strength of victory tiebreaker if it gets to that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's why we're rooting for the Jets. We're rooting for the Panthers. You know, this is a, a tough time. You know what I mean? Uh, we're, we're down into the weeds here. Uh, but to your point, um, you know, DVOA and all your methodology calculates the Eagles to have the friendliest remaining schedule, obviously. And there's a lot of people who've been talking about this, right? Getting to these final regular season weeks uh, with the Giants, you know, being two of their final games and the Cardinals. Um, but you know, I imagine you do take a little bit of eye test with how you kind of view things. And the Eagles matter, you know, and are certainly very relevant to the Cowboys situation. If you were a Cowboys fan, like, wh- what is your sense of fear relative to the Eagles, even if it is a potential playoff game in Philadelphia? I mean, I think the Cowboys can go into Philadelphia feeling confident that they can win. I, I think it's probably they would only be a slight favorite. There's a good chance of the Eagles winning that game, but they don't have to go in feeling afraid. The thing is, what, what's likely to happen is the Cowboys are likely to be five. And then they're probably, right. they probably beat Tampa or New Orleans in the first round. If the rest of the first round plays out as expected, Detroit and Philly then play each other and Dallas has to go to San Francisco. So what you're really That's rooting what... for is either to win the division or to get six or seven to upset in the first round. You really want Minnesota or the Rams or Seattle to get funky in the first round and upset so you don't have to go to San Francisco when San Francisco's had a week of rest. Right. Now, at present time, and we're having this conversation on Wednesday ahead of week 16, Detroit controls their destiny for the two seed, and they obviously have a game at Dallas. And so you can make an argument, depending on what seeding or positioning you prefer, that maybe it's in the long-term best interest of the Cowboys to lose that game, have Phil, because I think Dallas technically has room. I don't for think air, you would know the answer to that question before the game is right. played. And that's that's the the magic and the peril of this time of year, obviously. Um, and everybody is so worried about this from the Cowboys perspective, because as you've seen and you're well aware and you've documented the Cowboys road woes and road issues and road, et cetera, et cetera. And I've, I've been trying to you know, everybody asks, like, what's the thing? What's the reason? Why does this keep happening? And I obviously can't come up with an answer, but they've only had, you know, in their four losses this season, which have all been on the road, it's the game in Philadelphia that I think has given people the most encouragement. It's the only game, again, talking about their road losses where they had a positive DVOA uh, relative to the game itself. I mean, it's it's so difficult to explain, but that does, I mean, am I, am I coping too hard looking at that Philly game and saying, look, no, they've had a positive DVOA in, in a loss? I, I don't mean, that, that was. I don't understand home field advantage, honestly. In the long run, Home field advantage tends to be the same for every team. So when you have a team that seems to have particularly strong home field advantage in a certain year, I have no explanation other than random variance for why that happens. Yet Prescott does for his whole career seem to play much better at home than on the road. I think even if you look at road, like road domes, right? Like it's not just that it's indoors. It's like there's more to it than that. Right. But I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Why Why would this happen to this guy and not happen to, I don't know, I'm thinking of another quarterback in a dome, uh, Drew Brees or something. Well, you I, know? Think, I, I thought of like Peyton Manning in his elder years when, when it would be really cold. You know what I mean? That was kind of like we associated it with like it was just frigid. It wasn't necessarily wet conditions, but just cold temperatures. So to your point, like a road game in a dome. Yeah, but road games you know, in September don't have cold temperatures. 
That's true. But then he started wearing the glove, you know what I mean, in the cold games and stuff. And that, you know what I mean? Like, again, if I'm, I'm grasping at straws here, Aaron, because it's so difficult Here's the to good explain. News. Here's the good news. The good news is Tampa Bay is warm. New Orleans is right. a dump. San Francisco can get chilly, but it's not that chilly. And Detroit is a dome. In Philly, you play close in Philly. So there's none of those where you're like, we're going to Green Bay, and Green Bay is 12 and 4 this year. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing like that coming up. Yeah, I think, you know, ultimately, I think most Cowboys fans feel confident with a trip to Philadelphia. There would be a lot of, um, you know, trash talking on the line, obviously, just because it would, it would suck to, you know, go an entire year having to deal with your division rival telling you how they bounced you from the playoffs. But San Francisco is the true, you know, kind of fright test. And that, that has nothing to do with weather. That's just, and I think everyone is kind of catching up to like, oh, maybe the team that bounced the Cowboys in the playoffs two years in a row is this inevitable monster that, that nobody, you know, seems to have an answer for. Um, and so, you know, our take has generally kind of been like, it's frustrating, but there's no real shame in losing to San Francisco at this point in time. I mean, you know, because who, who can say that they haven't done that? I mean, look at the team we've been talking about here. In the no, San Eagles. Francisco looks like by far the favorite this year. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the monster si- standing astride the NFC. What is, I mean, relative to DVOA and historical DVOA, what's their comp? I, mean, I know you've looked at this. And you do. It's they always are the fun to kind of see you. Third best team ever measured by DVOA through 14 games. Holy crap. Yeah. And the other that, two? They're that good. The two be, the two ahead of them are the 2007 Patriots and the 91 Redskins. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, goodness gracious, man. Uh, tough times. I mean, that's – and that, that looks like the inevitable, you know, opponent. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm sort of rooting for the Rams at this point to, to grab hold of that seven seed. Uh, for go, to go to Philly, bounce them, and ultimately maybe even give the Cowboys a potential home game in the divisional round, which is possible, you know, nowadays um, with the three wildcard teams, although we haven't seen it at this point. Um, something I was interested about relative to this week's game for Dallas is, you know, they're in the playoffs, and, and you can talk about the the mental kind of focus and how intense, you know, players and, and people are when they know that they've got a ticket punched, et cetera, et cetera. You had a tweet talking about Thursday night's game between New Orleans and the Rams and about the significant swing in, in playoff probability for whoever wins and loses it. Um, what is the the overall, if you have it offhand, kind of swing and impact for Dallas and Miami respectively in this Not game? Not because. That's what that's what I'm because I keep looking at Miami and if I'm a Dolphins fan, this has been my thought process all week. You're probably feeling like, well, Baltimore is going to get their clock cleaned by the third best DVOA team ever. They're 14 games right on on Christmas night, and then if you're the if you're a Dolphins fan, there's no question which of these next two games you'd rather win. It's it's the one against Baltimore for your own tie-breaking procedures if you're going to yeah. be the one seed. So the, the swing can't be massive for either team in this situation because Dallas can still afford to lose this game and win the NFC East. Uh, here's what I have. Uh, the Cowboys win the NFC East in 40% of our Sims if they win and 30% if they lose. Goodness. See, I mean, I know that I'm not at all dismissing 10%. That's significant, but that's, it still doesn't feel like a oh, lot. It's, not like, a like, big it's not like the New Orleans and Rams one where it's like the chances right. of making the playoffs for the Rams go 60% either way if they win this game. What is then... If you if you can, um, I mean, I feel like you can do anything, but I mean, just based on how long I've read your work, if the Cowboys get that Eagles loss right away, 
because everybody everybody well knows at this point Dallas needs a Philly loss to, to take the division and they have to at least win one of their next two and the final game against Washington but if they pick up that loss now right away Philly drops four in a row what's the cow I have to imagine the Cowboys become the favorite then to win the NFC East uh that i don't have run i i'd have to run it. that's okay so but it, but it makes sense logically because they would they would simply yeah. have to if the cowboys beat the dolphins simply just have to yeah because the, the, the eagles are heavily favored in their last three games so that's so that's the problem so, the cowboys have is the eagles are heavily favored in their last three games along those lines i i'd be lying if i said i wasn't worried about the cowboys being frauds and there's so many people and i know you've seen too saying this is kind of the fraud ball between the cowboys and the dolphins i don't know what's the, the What's a what? What is a fraud? Not every team can. I'm be with the you. Third best, not every team can be the third best team of all time. Some teams are just pretty good. Like I mean, <laughs> pretty good teams do occasionally win the Super Bowl. They're not frauds. If they win a wild card and they win the first round of the playoffs and then they lose in the second round, that's not frauds. That's pretty good. It's weird. Um, I guess before I ask my question, what has in your career become? Last year, became, point differential became like the fraud exposer, right? Like that was the the line that everyone leaned on to to pluck at the Vikings. And it, I think people are maybe a little hesitant to use it for the Eagles this year, although they're in a really similar boat. Um, but what is the like general measurement of quote unquote fraudulence? Well, that's the easiest. I mean, that's the easiest. Right. You don't have to do any advanced numbers. You don't have to do advanced EPA or DVOA. Right. Just point differential, like. Yeah, that's a that's just an e, a really easy back of the envelope easy uh, way to check. Okay, it's low hanging fruit, but sometimes it is the sweetest. You know what I mean? So people people do tend to. And yeah, it. So, the, the, uh, the Eagles, I believe, are below the Vikings and the Saints right now. In um, they're above them in DVOA, but they're below them in point differential. Yeah. I looked this up on Monday night. I believe last year through 14 games, the Vikings, although they were 11 and three, were plus two. In point differential, something like got them beat out. It was by, yeah, like it was by 16 points. I mean, it's it's amazing, um, really often. And I, I'm personally enjoying every kind of bit of it. But um, I was questioning, as you know, we all tend to, you know, ride the highs and the lows, whether or not Dallas are quote unquote frauds. And a lot of people do tend to poke at and, and reference strength of schedule, whether it's upcoming or in the past. And the Cowboys have one of the friendliest past strength of schedules, you know, according to your measurements at FDN Fantasy. But I was looking and it wasn't like that was filled with, you know, teams that people want to call frauds, if that makes sense. Right. Like the, you know, at this point in time, New Orleans has the past easiest schedule. Dallas is right there at fourth, but these are all, you know, the Dolphins are right there at 31 as well, but the Lions are there. The Niners are right there. So it's not like that to me. And I know you are kind of poo-pooing the idea of frauds in general, but that isn't reflective of like, oh, the Cowboys are just here because they played these tomato games. I mean, I, you know, you know, I'm not a black and white guy. So to me, it's all shades and, you know, yeah. Is Dallas not quite as good as their stats look because they've played an easy schedule? Yep. Does that make them frauds? I don't think so. Interesting. Um, no, non-DVOA, just you've watched and covered and charted and documented a lot of football. This feels like a Cowboys team akin to who? doesn't have to be a Cowboys team, but I always kind of cite the 2007 Cowboys as well in, in your historical DVOA because that was such a great team. And again, what a shame that they lost, you know, in the regular season to that Patriots team um, yep. and ultimately in the playoffs. That was frustrating. But I mean, they do kind of rank up there as far as, my understanding, some of the more historically great Cowboys teams by DVOA. Yeah, they they actually do. Not not the best of the triplets years, but you know, since right. then, I, I I don't know. 
I mean, I think they they remind me of, of the best Romo teams, really. Oh, what was like two thousand nine? Am I am I thinking of the right one? Like oh nine oh nine was they beat the Eagles in week seventeen and then in the wild card round back to back. They were really good, uh, but I, everyone harkens back to twenty fourteen was kind of the the peak of Romo and the peak of his sort of mastery yeah. of things and when his body kind of started to fail him. And that was when Des Bryant was kind of at the peak of his powers Which and everything is very and, comparable to CD lamb. Yep. That's true. And that defense benefited from all sorts of kind of lucky turnovers. This Cowboys defense forces a billion turnovers because they're so incredible and they're so great. Um, I guess my, my final portion of the fraudness is everybody freaked out about the bills loss. And you even started like, wow, I can't believe you guys think the sun is shining because of last week. Uh, but the bills are, what one of the best eight and six teams ever right <laughs> like yep. i mean the, it they are they are the opposite of frauds like they're they're the bizarro frauds like they look like frauds but they're not i mean which is why again i'm not proud of the loss in any way shape or form but i think there's some solace no, in that information the style of the loss more than the existence of the loss right i mean first of all the best loss you can have is a road loss to a team from the other conference if you're right. not going 17 and 0 then <laughs> You might as well lose to a team from the other conference in their building. So, um, yeah, it was just the style. It was just the fact that they got pushed around so much on both sides of the line of scrimmage that, and it was a big, lo- it was a, an ass kicking. It wasn't a, you know, like a three point loss or anything. That's, that's why I think it was probably discouraging. And that's where I've kind of landed here. Um, as, as we've all, you know, kind of just inhaled the copium this week is use the phrase ass kicking for the most part that's what the cowboys have administered this season you look at their weekly dvoa it's these like massive it's not the niners but it's these massively you know positive numbers but there are two you you mentioned the best you know loss you can have from a tiebreaker standpoint a road one to an opposite conference team but in my mind like from a you know digestibility standpoint it's to the best teams in the nfl right because well what a shock we lost to the best teams in the nfl and the two worst ass kickings the cowboys have gotten are to the Bills, who are literally one of the best kind of, you know, wolves in this kind of sheep's clothing, and the Niners, who are literally the, the third best team. Uh, the problem in, in is this. that when you get to the playoffs, you have to beat them. That's the problem. That's true. Right? That's the problem. But, but, the, but the world is, you know, history is filled with teams like the 2010 New York Jets, who lost to the Patriots 45-3 to and beat them in the playoffs three weeks later. It happens. Mm. Is that your go-to, like uh, their go-to of fraudulence, the 2010 Jets? Playoff well, that's, fraudulence? that's not a fraudulence thing. That's the that's my go-to for um, regular season results do not necessarily predict postseason results. Right. Any really New York playoff one in the last like, that, 15 years. That 2010 Patriots team was one of the strongest teams we've ever measured going into the playoffs. And they fell in their first playoff game. Yeah, There's a number I mean, of teams like that. 2019 Ravens, uh, 1987 49ers, um, 2007 Cowboys. What? 07 Cowboys. No, it's... Did they lose in their first? Yeah, they, they were the one seed. And they, how could you forget her? And Tony Romo went to Cancun. It was a big old thing. You know what I mean? It was, uh, you know. That too much patience from that year for me. That really happened. I, I think if if the starting quarterback of the one seed went on a tropical vacation during the week of the bye nowadays, it would be um, it'd be a thing. Uh, we have more Twitter now. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, currently, DVOA's projections for the playoff field you mentioned do feature the Cowboys as the five seed. Uh, Minnesota is the six. That's probably the the thing I look at the most quizzically and wonder if they can really hold on 
um, and the Rams as the seventh. You mentioned best possible case scenario is a lower wild card, also getting hot, getting sexy. I think that Seattle's win changed that and made Seattle the sixth and Minnesota the seventh. Interesting. Well, that obviously you know amplifies the significance of Thursday night for the Rams. Uh, yes. But so, what, who in your mind? Because that's where when you when you've punched a playoff ticket and the Cowboys are, I wouldn't say helpless, but but need the right kind of help for their fortunes to change. What's what's the best thing working in their favor that they do not control? Is it which wildcard team do you believe ranked below them that can pull off the upset? Is it the Eagles potentially yeah, really falling that, apart? Actually. No, probably the Rams have been the second best offense over the last six weeks. If the Rams can get in, I think the Rams have a good shot at upsetting Detroit, maybe. Um, And that would send the Dallas to Philly instead of sending them to San Francisco in the second round. That that would be So I agree with you that the Rams are probably the most dangerous wild card below the Cowboys or Eagles if Dallas manages to win the East. Um, so all non NFC East wildcard teams, that being said, how would you rank the Rams chances? Assuming we get there, um, against Detroit, Philly and San Francisco, if they manage to go to Frisco in the divisional round. Well, I doubt, oh, in the divisional round. Yeah. Perfect world for Dallas is they don't have to, you know, go to San Francisco at all. I I don't think the Rams defense can hold back the 49ers the Rams defense is not good enough for that so that's their lowest odds Very against impressive. literally one of the worst uh, the best teams ever okay that's fair uh Detroit and Philly you like the Rams chances more against whom Detroit because their defense has fallen apart in the last few weeks you're right and that would send like you just said Dallas to Philly in the division around Dallas could punch their NFC championship game ticket for the first time in forever in the age of Twitter in the age of the internet in Philadelphia yeah, that'd feel good for you. <laughs> yeah, but just to go to San Francisco, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like. Hey, it, look, it would... like I said, they're the monster. Okay, it's happened like the 20, you know, 2010 Patriots looked like this. This is what the 2010 Patriots looked like going into the playoffs, except even better on offense and not as good on defense. The, and they um, lost I'll... in the first round and they lost in the first round of the Jets. Like it, Drep... it, does it does it happen. It does. It does. There is hope. Or um, shout out to the 2019 Titans who went to Baltimore. Yeah, went to Baltimore. Um, yeah, all you got to do is be one of these like you know weirdly average teams that has the right night, and um, and life is yours for the taking. Um, okay, Aaron, in in a non overly simple way, your kind of gut slash predictive analysis on the ceiling for the Cowboys this season. They can win the Super Bowl, obviously, but in in all simulations that you can kind of fathom in your mind, they're most likely you know. The most likely result is that they lose in the divisional round. Mm. But I would probably to San Francisco, certainly San Francisco is way more likely, but I think everybody would argue that they like their chances in Philly. I think a lot of people would pick them in Philly. Um, yeah. Do you, you think that as if they play San Francisco, they lose 75% of the time. And if they play Philly, they lose 40% of the time. And if they play Detroit, they lose 35% of the time or what? Like mm-hmm. it's still that. Their most likely losses in that round. I know you want to make it to the conference championship. I know you want to make it to the Super Bowl, right? But the most likely thing, that's the way, the most likely way things fall is that you you fall in the divisional round. Well, let's hope that there's not just one, but two 2010 Jets teams lurking. One's the Cowboys and one is a wildcard team below them. They can go do the dirty work and then they can give the Cowboys a home game in the NFC championship game. And as you just established for I was completely, say the totally. About the, I was, the wildcard team below them is to be the 2010 Jets, you have to beat the 49ers. 
If beating the Eagles or the Lions will not qualify you as the 2010 Jets or the 2019 Titans. You got to beat the Niners. Yeah, um, but let's do it. And then, like I said, let's set up the NFC title game at AT&T Stadium where it's completely and totally objectively proven how the Cowboys are a better team at home. You know, it's very understandable, you know, very measurable. There's no weirdness or random variance or coincidence to it whatsoever. A lot of us are looking for the Matthew Stafford goes to Detroit story if the Rams make it. So I guess my last one then is what's the that's the super juicy storyline, obviously, maybe in the whole playoff field right now. But what's the juiciest possible Cowboys story that you see? Because, again, so much of your work is is literally objective. The Cowboys like, win you, it all is the juiciest story. I mean, well, come well, on. The, right? the, I mean, the, the path like what, who's the I mean, obviously, I think the historical people would say, like, you, you have to go to San Francisco like your forefathers before. you. Oh, the, you most know, you, the most impressive path would be to win in San Francisco, win in Philadelphia and then to beat either Baltimore or Kansas City. Man, because you're either beating the best team in the AFC or you're beating the best quarterback in football. Mm. Right. Like, because everyone still agrees, even though he's not going to win MVP this year, Mahomes is still the best. That's true. So I would if if I could adjust it a little, I would say Philly in the division around. Um, like, like, like I said, punch the ticket there, like for, for their fans to watch you break through. Go to go to Frisco a la 92 title game when nobody believed. And again, you you rewrite history. And then play the Bills, not because uh, Josh Allen is regarded to be better than Mahomes, but you get a little bit of revenge for the week that Aaron Schott stands on your grave, and um, you the really harken back to the night. The Bills in the Super Bowl twice. Exactly, that would be really. And Josh Allen is the bizarro Dak Prescott that everybody talks about with the you know turnovers and things like that. Like it'd be, it'd be cool. I'd I'd be down. So. Uh, let's I mean, hope that listen, happens. I, I, my personal rooting interest when my team is not in it, and my team is very much not in it this this year. I mean, I like to be right, but I also <laughs> like for teams that haven't won in a while to win. And Dallas qualifies. I mean, y'all y'all did just win a World Series, so it's not like you haven't won anything in a while. But but the football you know, team hasn't won in a long, long time. So it would feel good to see the fans get it, you know, unlike, you, that, yeah. you know, as opposed to like the Chiefs winning again. Like those, right. those fans have already gotten theirs. Like give give another group of fans. The 49ers haven't won in a long time either. That'd be fun too. A longer time than the Cowboys. A, a yeah. fact that people one, forget. One more and year. Yep. Even even the Ravens. It's like y'all were just there. Like just slow down, relax a little bit. <laughs> um, I and my last thing to offer. I am a, actually a Houston Astros fan, which is super awkward for me with my following. Uh, but you know, not a big drought there either, uh, as far as that's concerned. But you know, uh, yeah. Aaron, you are the best. FTN Fantasy. Um. I, I think that half of your traffic comes from us because it is an essential tool uh, for anyone who covers or cares about or enjoys the NFL. Thank you for educating people in a serious way and providing a, a bit of pluck along the way like you did here today. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for everybody coming. FTNFantasy.com slash DVOA. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else. 
and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. A big time shout out and big time thank you to Aaron for taking the time to join us uh, to give us some insight. Um, Aaron's methodology in, in terms of DVOA is a staple. If you do not check this, you are really missing out. Um, I check DVOA constantly. I'm at FTN Fantasy every single day. Um, I share their information, obviously, and I'm eternally grateful to Aaron for developing DVOA and for creating an incredible way for us to access it. Um, it's just it's amazing. And it does help, I think, um, help us kind of read through, or I always mess this expression up, but see, see the forest through the trees. Um, I think sometimes is, is maybe how I really feel about DVOA. You, you can help, you can help yourself strip away the, the narrative and the, the yelling and the screaming and the emotions. You can kind of see things for what they really are, which is how, you know, I, and I hope you know that the Dallas Cowboys, despite what they did last week against the Buffalo Bills and really what they didn't do remain an elite team. But, um, every now and then you do have to inject some, some kind of eye tests and some, some gut feel. And I do think that Aaron does a great job of doing that, uh, when absolutely necessary. So appreciate him helping us just kind of gauge the overall playoff situation where the Cowboys fall, what their more, most likely outcomes are a uh, really fun and interesting conversation that I hope you enjoyed. Uh, another one, I mentioned we had two guests in store for you today, as we generally do every week here on the Ocho, we like to discuss who the Cowboys are playing. And this week, that's the Miami dolphins I like to kind of get a one-on-one on that team. Uh, my good friend Stone, who uh, you'll hear he and I reference this, um, he works for Apollo Media. If you don't know Apollo Media, well, that's not cool. But uh, I came to find Apollo Media because, as you all know, I'm a Houston Astros fan. They do an incredible job of covering the Astros, and they have branches of their content machine that covers all sorts of things. And, and Stone will obviously talk about that throughout our conversation. But Stone is a Miami Dolphins fan, but he's also a Dallas Mavericks fan and a Dallas Stars fan. So make sure you give him uh, a couple of opportunities before you you roll your eyes at, at two guys talking Astros. I promise that was not the um, you know the the tenor of our conversation. But but Stone does love the Miami Dolphins and knows them better than anybody. So I knew that he was the appropriate person to come in and kind of let us know what the Dallas Cowboys are walking into on Christmas Eve afternoon. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get to it from Apollo Media. The one and only my man Apollo Stoney joins us next right here on the Ocho. Very pleased now to be joined by the one and only, the legendary, the internationally famous. Uh, I think he's known uh, in several other galaxies. I don't know uh, what the full <laughs> adjustment on the Marvel Cinematic Universe is at this point in time. From Apollo Media, where I am a gigantic fan of a uh, card-carrying member of the Apollo Media Fan Club. It is the one and only. Again, I asked him how he wanted to go about this. Apollo Stone, Apollo Stoney, Stone. Uh, Stone, the floor is yours here, but thank you so much for taking the time to join us. No, thank you for having me on. I'm I'm excited to talk about my Dolphins. I don't get to do it on our uh, NFL podcast for the Paul Media Play Action Takes all the time. So, uh, so we have we have to kind of wade into the waters this way. Um, I catch a lot of grief among my followers, and I think you can kind of understand this for being a Houston mm -hmm. Astros fan. It's not a yeah. common thing. I think it's more common than people kind of you know believe it to be that. You know, somebody who, you know, grew up in the 90s, South Texas is a Cowboys fan, an Astros fan, a San Antonio Spurs fan, mm -hmm. just kind of the way I grew up. Um, so the ALCS was really awkward for me. It was really difficult. Yeah. Like, I, I did not enjoy my time on the Internet. Um, 
certainly didn't enjoy the way that it ended um, mm-hmm. and would prefer that we don't acknowledge the way the World Series went. But, you know, I'm I try to be gracious to my followers. You know, hey, look, you win the World Series. You should you know talk all your crap. Enjoy your life, um, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but I discovered you uh, and all the Apollo Media crew because you cover the Houston Astros better than anybody um, on Earth. Uh, so that being said, do you want to offer a message of congratulations to the Rangers fans who listen? Like, do you want to just keep the line in the sand? Like, it's up to you how um, appropriate you want to be here. Um, it's, a, it's a tough question. So I also live in Dallas now. Um, I didn't want to dox you like that, but I was no. I was going to say, so like, it's got to be awkward for you in that sense. Yeah. It was a little weird. So me and my uh, my bartender buddy down the street at this Tex-Mex place that we go to frequently, big Rangers fan, obviously grew up in Dallas. So he's always been a Rangers fan. So me and him were always uh, bantering back and forth during the ALCS. He actually went to the game where they scored, the Astros scored like 11 or 12 runs, whatever game that was, game three, I think. Um, so we gave each other grief and then he obviously got the upper hand at the end and was very uh, nice about it. So I would appreciate if Rangers fans were nice about it. Um, yeah. Celebrate if you want, but it is what it is. We'll, we'll get you next year. 2024 is coming. So. Yeah. Uh, really tough scene. Um, the game five was on my birthday. So when the Altuve mm-hmm. thing happened, I was like, Oh, this is destiny. Like, of this course, awesome. like this. Yeah. This is perfect. <laughs> like every, everything is working out exactly the way that I wanted to. Uh, so, um, yeah, uh, that was very nice and cordial of you. You are a Dallas Mavericks fan. Um, so like yeah. I get a lot of crap for the Cowboys Astros thing. You are spread very wide as far as your I'm fandom of teams. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Mississippi state. So you've got mm-hmm. the Dak Prescott angle going on yeah. here. Um, the Miami dolphins, obviously the Dallas yep. Mavericks, the Houston Astros mm-hmm. as mentioned. I mean, mm-hmm. what's the story the here? Dolphins. Like, I mean, Oh, and the Dallas Stars. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and, and Stone cool. covers the Mavericks and the Stars for Apollo Media, so all the DFW people can check them out for that content as well. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a weird story. I grew up in Alabama, North Alabama, where everyone is either a Tennessee Titans or an Atlanta Falcons fan for football. My dad was born in Miami, grew up there. He was there for the Super Bowls, very, very young, like doesn't remember them. But right. undefeated season, all that. My grandpa and my dad just tell me Dan Marino and Bob Greasy stories all the time. And I'm like, man, must be nice. That would be cool. Now we got two of us, so I'm a little little bit better. But that's the only team I And you got the Alabama me. thing. Like that worked out really well for you. Yeah, Except I for the just, Mississippi State thing. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah. I, I, went to I realized State. that as so I was a little it. different. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's the only team I was given. And growing up in Alabama, you're either a Hawks fan or a Memphis Grizzlies fan. Uh, I like Dirk because he's a tall, white German guy and uh, funny looking as a seven-year-old in 2003 when he was like choosing random teams. I like Dirk. So that's kind of where the Mavericks come from. And then Houston Astros, uh, Jeff Bagwell as a avid Game Boy Advance backyard baseball player. Uh, Jeff Bagwell was always my go-to player. So in 2004, uh, Astros were really good. NLCS, Jeff Bagwell had a funny batting stance. There's my Astros fandom. Uh, And then Dallas Stars, I kind of picked up later. Hockey was a difficult sport to get into because it's not shown on TV very often, especially in Alabama. So kind of picked that up. A little bit before COVID, 2017, 2018 is kind of when I started getting into hockey. So figured if I'm going to end up moving to Texas eventually, might as well just pick the Dallas Stars and call it a day there. So I'm all over the place. I get that. And I went to school at Mississippi State. So uh, that one just kind of a given. So, yeah, all over the place. Okay. I think it's important that everyone understands kind of like the cards in your hand um, before we get, you know, the dolphins of it all. Uh, but very cool. And once again, everybody follow Stone on Twitter at Apollo Stoney. It's spelled exactly the way it sounds. Um, you do have to put up with some Astro stuff. But if you put yeah. up with mine, you know, 
you can put up with this. I mean, you know what I mean? Do it all. But you, you, what I like about the Apollo Media Crews, y'all are a lot more aggressive than I am. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. I, I dial things back a little bit, but you guys just kind of let it go. And that's the way it should be sometimes. We're fans. Uh, that It's kind of by the fan, for the fan. That's what Apollo Media is. Um, we've, we've just creating our preferred content. Uh, we create things that we would want to listen to or watch to. Um, that's kind of our, our viewpoint at Apollo Media. So that, that's what we do. And when it comes to the Astros, everyone's very passionate about the Astros in our in our building. So you're going to get the best and you're going to get the worst a lot of the time. So we, we try to dial back the worst part, but when it's good, you're going to hear it from us. That's very well said. Um, so I have seen it from you this season when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. Um, not a lot of flexing opportunities um, in the 21st century for the Dolphins. Um, certainly life no. is very good under Mike McDaniel. Um, although the Dolphins, like the Cowboys, are putting up with this, like, are you actually frauds conversation? Mm -hmm. I think if the Dolphins were a little bit of a, I don't want to say bigger market, Miami's obviously massive, but if they were the Cowboys, it would be louder chatter. I mean, I think you agree. Yeah. Um, so I guess the first question, Stone, is are the Dolphins frauds? No. Uh, no. <laughs> Why not? Uh, their defense, uh, I know the Tennessee game did not really show that in the last three minutes of the game. They had a 14-point lead with, I think, 305 or 255 left in the game. Defense kind of collapsed. Everyone was tired. They'd been on the field a lot because the two scoring drives that the offense did have came from the 12-yard line and the two-yard line due to turnovers. So not long drives, nothing keeping them off the field. I think the defense is elite. I think the pass rush is there, even though with injuries. And now you have Jalen Ramsey just quarterback in the defense now. So when you have an all-pro corner like that, and then Xavier Howard's come into his own again. Post-injury last year, he was injured a, lo a lot last year. He's banged up now, but Xavier Howard's been really good. Javon Holland's been stellar. Uh, the linebackers have been much better than I anticipated. I did not think Jerome Baker and David Long Jr. were going to be good enough. Uh, they have been in the last, I don't know, call it six, seven weeks. I know Baker's hurt, but... The defense is elite, and I, I believe in the pass rush. I believe in the secondary, which I haven't been able to say since, like, 2020 when Brian Flores would just blitz everybody, and then we had Byron Jones and Saban Howard just manning the corner spots. So defense is really good. And then Mike McDaniel, uh, with all of his blunders, with throwing fades on the one-yard line on first, second, third, and fourth goal uh, to Tyreek Hill, who's, like, five foot ten, albeit it's frustrating sometimes uh, – he proved it last week. Raheem Mostert got three straight carries on the one-yard line. I don't know. Yeah. Mostert has 20 touchdowns. Tyree kills there. It, it's just star power everywhere. They're faster than everybody, and I think their defense is actually very good, although no one talks about it. So I think they're not frauds. I definitely think they're not frauds, um, and I think there's nothing more frustrating than nobody agreeing with you that you're not frauds, which is why I want to agree with you. I want you to know that you're not frauds. But, again, it's just the way people are talking about the Cowboys <laughs> and the Dolphins right now. Um, yeah. The Mostert thing – I don't think he's the Brock Purdy of running backs, but I do think no. it certainly helps to play in Mike McDaniel's offense. Um, most are obviously played great in San Francisco, and there's obviously all that, you know, to kind of go around here. Uh, but the Tyreek thing is, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's like, I mean, that's truly what might be my opinion on this game hinges on, whether or not he's going to play. Uh, you can certainly make an argument that he's MVP of the NFL, especially in kind of a down year for quarterback play. Dak Prescott let that kind of slip through his hands last week in Buffalo. Sorry that they couldn't help you out. Uh, yeah. But, um, I mean, Tyreek is the most seismically important Dolphins player in your lifetime, I would imagine. Absolutely. It's it's bar none. Dan Marino was a shell of himself when I was three years old, and that was his last season. So, yeah, I haven't seen a player like Tyreek Hill. Obviously, we've had Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas. Like, we've had Hall of Famers play for this team, 
And I love Jason Taylor. That was my favorite player growing up. Number 99, the bald head just looked like Xerxes in 300. It was awesome. Uh, he was like my favorite player growing up, but Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas don't hold a candle to what Tyreek Hill has done to the NFL and to the Dolphins specifically. Yeah. I mean, it's weird how it completely worked. I think everybody thought like, Oh, Tyreek just wants out. He just wants to go live somewhere cool. Um, and you know, maybe put up some numbers, but he is, I mean, he is amazing. Um, I don't know of a wide receiver season like this outside of anything Calvin Johnson ish, but different type of elite, like different type of special. Yes. And that's obviously what terrifies me is that Tyreek is going to be able to blow past, you know, st like Stefan Gilmore's played really well for the most part mm -hmm. over the second half of the season, but and he's a lot older, um, obviously, yeah. than like his peak version of himself. I, there's nobody on the Cowboys that can run with Tyreek Hills. What's your confidence level that he plays? Uh, for context, we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. So. My family is season ticket holders at the Miami Dolphins. So I asked my dad, my mom and dad were there with their friends last week. It's like, hey, shoot me a text. How does Tyreek look in warmups? Because we always go early and watch warmups and get food and all that. So I texted dad. I was like, hey, let me know if he's going to play. Because he is uh, absolutely my cornerstone of my fantasy teams on two of my three fantasy sure. teams. So I was like, I just need to know if I need to put like Amari Cooper in or what are we doing here? Uh, so he texted me. He's like, he looks good. It looks like he's playing. He's just jumping around. He's dancing. He did all the things. He did the thumbs up running into the locker room after pregame warmups, which means he was playing. I think the Dolphins decided to hold him out a week, uh, which dampens his chances at 2,000 yards, but I think it enhances their chances going into December, January playoff time. So I would assume Tyreek Hill is back. I, I don't know what the percentage of health is there. Maybe he's 80, maybe he's 85, but he's faster than everyone in a straight line, even with a bum ankle. So, sure. and obviously Jalen Waddle looked awesome last week. So if we can get that kind of version of Jalen Waddle with a 85% Tyree kill, it, yeah, it screams trouble for the defenses that they end up playing in the rest of the season. So I think we're at a weird point in the NFL where these, you know, games that look kind of juicy are kind of lacking a, a, a special kind of juice. Like even the Christmas night game between San Francisco and Baltimore, and this is something I've been saying all week, like, Oh, this this like this looks awesome, and it's like, oh no, like whoever loses this is still going to be the one seed, and you know, like in their respective right. conference. Well, I mean, again, I, I know you don't want to hear that about Baltimore, but I mean, so it's not it, it doesn't have this like win or go home, you know, sort of energy no. about it, and that's kind of how Dallas Philly felt two weeks ago, and Dallas crushed them, and it's a little bit how Dallas Buffalo felt, where it felt like I mean, the Cowboys had clinched a playoff berth before the game even began, and the Bills are obviously in this dire like have to win out, you know, scenario and still pick up help just to even get in. So it did feel like they were the team that needed that game a little bit more. And similarly, yeah. now I kind of feel like Dallas needs this a little bit more. But with how Philly continues to stumble, obviously losing on Monday night, and Miami has that Baltimore game next week. So I do think it is a matter. I kind of thought last week, like, well, maybe it's worth putting Tyreek on ice. You can beat the Jets without him. And you need this game against the Cowboys, whatever. But again, if I asked you, like, if you could only win one of these next two games, it's easily the Ravens game, right? Like, is it not Absolutely. worth, like... Yeah, like, I mean, just relative to who the Dolphins are in their playoff position. Like, so is it not worth almost, like, even if he is 85, 90, 96%, whatever, saying, you know what, this game matters, but we have Baltimore coming next week. That one is the, the most significant one because they play the Niners. They might lose on Monday night, and then we have a chance to go take the one seed back. Yeah, it's it's an interesting dilemma. And this year, Mike McDaniel and the rest of the Dolphins staff have been incredibly conservative with their injuries. Uh, Javon Holland hasn't played since... Black Friday, maybe like I, I miss him dearly. I want him back the safety for he's he's the green dot. He's calling plays. He's doing all the things. Had been on the field for a few weeks. Teron Armstead 
same thing. He's gone on IR. And they put Devon Achan on IR when he could have right. come back after three weeks. Uh, they've done all the things. They put everybody on IR if they need to, and they've just rested people. So I I think I'd be shocked if Tyreek did not play this week just because Tyreek wants that record mm. a lot. <laughs> he wants it tremendously, and he knows that him being on the field, even if he's not 100%, is still a, a decoy, uh, still a – a force to be reckoned with because we were there for the Tennessee Titans game in person. So I'm sitting there and watching him on the sideline. He's like, he never sat down. He never had his helmet for a long time, but came back out on the field. He sprints on the field. He sprints off the field. Like he was obviously hurting, but uh, he was, he was helping the fans out. The fans were getting into it and the fans were juiced. So if Tyreek's on that field, the fans act a little bit different. The team acts a little bit different. It's just like when Tua left last season, when he would get hurt and then he ended up coming back a few games later, the juice is a little bit different. The vibes are a little bit higher. So I would assume he plays. It's just, I hope he doesn't. I, I don't, I'm going to knock on wood. I don't, I don't want him to be hurt. Um, I kind of talked myself into believing that Tyreek won't play. Like, as I phrased the question, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit confident myself. So, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just smelling myself too much, but um, we'll see. But so you mentioned the game you went to in Tennessee with your wife, mm-hmm. great vibes in the photo that you shared. And I was going to ask, yeah. uh, is it a Jalen Waddle or a Ryan Tannehill jersey that you're wearing in the photo? <laughs> no, it's definitely, definitely a Jalen Waddle jersey. No. Well, I mean, we, look. We've nev- I've never owned a Ryan. <laughs> I was an anti-Ryan Tannehill guy from the beginning. Didn't want him, didn't like him. Uh, he was also pretty mean when I met him back in 2013. So that didn't help us cause. That's a shame because I went to Texas A&M and was there when Tannehill was still a wide receiver and Gerard Johnson right. was the quarterback. Um, so, you know, and like every girl had a crush on Ryan Tannehill. So like he's, he's kind of just like imprinted in my mind, like a very significant part of my time in college. Um, so I was going to give you a little bit of props if it had been a Ryan Tannehill jersey, but <laughs> yeah. I don't have to. Uh, but so Tua has seemingly saved you, I guess you particularly from uh, your hatred yeah. of Ryan Tannehill. Um, and he is this weird kind of MVP, not MVP, kind of, you know, gets props, but doesn't get props. Um, Mm -hmm. Had a great game last week without Tyreek Hill, but nobody really cares. Like, Tua is this weird dude that nobody really knows what to do with and how to feel about. Like, you're clearly very passionate about Tyreek Hill and Javon Holland and, you know, lots of players on the Dolphins. But, like, like, are you, like, a, like, ride or die for Tua? Are you just like, I mean, it's okay. Like, I I don't know how to feel about how Dolphins fans feel about him. Yeah, I I think Dolphins fans are very wishy-washy because we've been hurt for the last 25 years, like we just haven't had anything good happen to us. We haven't won a playoff game since, I don't know, maybe it was 2000 or 2001. Like my sister was just born and now she's a, a full-time worker at, in Georgia. Like she moved away from home. Now she works at a real job, like graduated college, all those kinds of things. All of those things have happened since we've won a playoff game. So I think we've been hurt for so long that we're just so emotional, high and lows. Uh, that's kind of what Dolphins Twitter is. And it's awful a lot of the time. It's always doomsday or this is the best team ever and there's no in between. So I'm a Tua guy. I, I love Tua at Alabama. Um, he was one of the two Alabama players I've ever actually enjoyed watching play for Alabama. Derrick Henry and Tua are the two teams. They're two players that I've watched on Alabama. I was like, that guy's pretty cool. I like him. Um, I was actually at the game that Tua got hurt in college. I was working for Mississippi State Athletics. Um, yeah, we were at that game. Unfortunate. But wow. Tua, Tua is my guy, and I think him not really being in the MVP conversation is, like, warranted because he's had a few duds of a game, a few sure. duds um, of games, and just the stats aren't all the way there because Raheem Mostert has 20 touchdowns, like, you could take half of those and give them to Tua, and then Tua is obviously in the MVP conversation. 
So I love Tua, but we've obviously seen what happens when this team doesn't have Tua. Last year, they won one singular game without Tua. One. And it was the Jets game on in week 18 to make the playoffs and be the seventh seed. That's the only game that they won without Tua last year. I've been there. Um, I don't know. Actually, the last time the Cowboys went to Miami, um, Tony Romo missed most of the 2015 season, and he returned in that game, if you recall, and threw a left-handed pass, um, kind of the birth of the left-handed pass in Miami before Tua showed up. Uh, (laughs) And so, um, you know, they they won one game out of 12 that year, the Cowboys did without Mm -hmm. Tony Romo. So it was really frustrating. Um, Then what's your level of confidence? And this is a really bad week to ask this question. Um, in Tua against this Cowboys defense that has, for the most part, been a top-tier group in the NFL, again, coming off of a really poor showing. Uh, but even as I asked that, you know, we were super afraid of Josh Allen a week ago, and he completed seven passes, and the Bills trounced the Cowboys. So, like, and if anyone has a run game that can do that as an overall team, it's obviously the Dolphins. So, I guess um, a two-part question, what's your level of confidence in Tua against the Cowboys defense, and then your level of confidence in Mike McDaniel's group as a whole against this group? Yeah, so Tua's had some stinkers. Um some games that weren't very good Uh, the Tennessee game. I noticed the same thing happened to him during the Patriots game in week two in new England. So in new England, they bill Belichick mastermind mastermind of the defense had three safeties high. So there was no room for Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill to go more than 15 yards down the field without being covered by at least two people, if not four. Mm -hmm. So it it was a bit of a trouble, some looking thing, but he's finding Braxton Berrios in pockets and the screen passes were working that game. Tennessee did the exact same thing. I I noticed it in the first quarter. They had three high safeties. They weren't getting thrown over the top. So that's a – it's worked against this offense, but that also opens up the run game uh, unless you have the defensive front kind of like the Cowboys do. Uh, But after last week, I'm a little bit more confident. So I'm I'm confident in Tua with uh, the ability to play against different defenses and depending on what the Cowboys end up running, if they're running zone or if they're running man, I think there's, there's man beaters everywhere and there's zone beaters everywhere in this offense with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, Raheem Mostert, Devon A. Chant, like everyone's fast on this team. And if you can't run with them and Stefan Gilmore, I'll be very good this season. I don't think you can keep up with three of those guys, maybe four. So if you get them on the edge and you, you press man, it's uh you can watch the commanders game for reference. If you press man and don't have a single high safety on the top, uh, it's going to be trouble. Yeah. I, the commanders game is a great example. Um, that's a great point. And I think you kind of described every Cowboys fans greatest fear. Uh, and that sort of takes me to um, our Victor Cruz coach Carter uh, question. I think it was Victor Cruz was his name. Obviously that's the giants wide receiver, but right. um, what is your deepest fear? It was, I may, I forget his first name, but I know his last name was Cruz, but whatever. Um, what is your deepest fear relative to the Cowboys? Like, what are you losing sleep over this week as, as far as the Cowboys are concerned? It can be as obvious, oh, man, Dak Prescott's playing super well. It can be like the super mundane, tiny little thing. It can be you're afraid of the Dolphins wearing their aqua jerseys. Like, the floor is yours on this question. Uh, I would I would almost assume that we're wearing all white. It's kind of been the home. It's like the, Dol- the Cowboys, they wear white at home for the most right. part. Like, I, I think the Dolphins are just – doing it and while they have a little bit of sunshine and during the first quarter of this game it's a 425 kickoff in, in Miami so the sun won't be up for more than an hour during the game but anytime the sun's up they're wearing white for the most part so I would assume we're wearing white but my biggest fear uh would probably be not even of the Cowboys necessarily but of our offensive line last week all of our entire starting offensive line was gone all five <laughs> we didn't have a single starter on the offensive line at, at the end of the game so if Teron Armstead and Austin Jackson are playing, and then if Robert Hunt can come off of his injury from his hamstring, which I don't think is likely, uh, 
if we can get two of those guys back, then I'm a little bit more confident. But that's my biggest fear is Micah Parsons just bull rushing Teron Armstead's like bum, knee, quad, ankle, hamstring, whatever. Every part of his body is just hurt all of the time. So if I see Micah Parsons bull rushing into a not ducking, I'm going to panic. Uh, I think that's about it. Um, what have been your thoughts on Connor Williams? Because he, I maintained, uh, and this is really difficult to do because he went to the, the worst school in the state of Texas. Uh, <laughs> but but I maintained that he had a really productive career for the Cowboys. He was a second round draft pick, mm-hmm. four year starter, um, really kind of helped them solve the left guard issue that they they had you know problems at before drafting Tyler Smith um, to replace him. Um, and but when he left, he had kind of worn out his welcome, and everybody was so fed up with him in penalties. And the Cowboys did miss him early on. And I feel like he it's a bummer that he's hurt, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but but I feel like he's played really well. And I have to imagine you feel like that was a great decision. Yeah. So when we signed him, I was like, great. Now we got Robert Hunt and then we got <laughs> Connor Williams in our guard positions. And then right. we signed Teron Armstead. And I was like, if Austin Jackson can just like not be the worst right tackle of all time, we're cooking. Right. And Austin Jackson obviously has been very good. Teron Armstead, when healthy, has been very good. Robert Hunt has been very good. Connor Williams, his first season with the Dolphins last year. Uh, was frustrating. Uh, like you said, the the penalties were just, they were always a drive killer. It was always a hold or, or something went wrong on a, a big play and that ended up killing the drive. And he's also never played center before. So I was like, why are we signing a guy to play guard? And all of a sudden like, ah, you should just be the center now, even though you've yep. never done that before. It went so badly when the Cowboys experimented with that, that when the Dolphins, I remember that, you know, those days on Twitter, it was like, oh, they're going to do this. Like they're about to learn. Um, but again, I feel like it, worked out kind of nicely yeah so last season the snaps were a little bit wayward uh they would always go to the wrong side of Tua, so Tua's left-handed so it always come to the right side and i was like dude can we just not have do we not have one true center that's played it for college at least like can we get one center on the team that'd be cool but his blocking was very good last year i think last year was the number two overall rated center behind jason kelsey uh by pff which doesn't really mean anything necessarily by their rankings uh, based on a lot of the rankings that they do for a lot of players. But this year he was number one overall center. He's, he's a great run blocker. Uh, he's been tremendous in pass rush. Uh, the snaps were the, the bad snaps were minimal this year. I think he only had one or two and one of them cost us the game against the chiefs, but it is what it is. Uh, he was awesome. And it, it sucks when he went out uh, with injury against the Titans, he tore his ACL and it happened immediately because Liam Mike, Liam Eichenberg literally blocked a guy into his knees, and I'm I have words for Liam Eichenberg, but I'll save him for another podcast. Yeah, um, well, sorry you were there in person, obviously for that. But uh, but you know, again, I I was I mean always sad when anybody gets hurt, but again, he was just playing so well, and it was kind of nice to see him thriving. Um, So that was a huge bummer. Um, On the other side of the fear thing. Uh, it makes sense to be afraid of Micah Parsons, like super, you know, super far limb you're at on zone um, mm-hmm. with being afraid of Micah Parsons. Um, something I like to ask is what's like, who's the dolphin or the thing about the dolphins maybe that we are not as Cowboys fans, like paying attention to that we should be like uh, in our post game show, you know, something I would be like, we should have seen this coming. Like th- this was, this was hiding in plain sight. This, this wasn't Tyree kill or whatever, like some obvious superstar, you know, uh, you know, low hanging fruit kind of proposition. But like, what is the mm-hmm. thing that like, could be the reason the Cowboys lose that is, is in fact hiding in plain sight. Yeah. So you obviously know about Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Raheem Mostert, Devon Achan. You know about the track stars. If you're going to go Braxton Berrios, this is going to be an interesting twist. We're going to go to the other side of the ball (laughs) on the line. (laughs) It's kind of the line as a whole. Bradley Chubb has six forced uh, fumbles this season, uh, leading the NFL. Now he's had, I don't know. 
He had like three sacks last week against the Jets, which the Jets are abysmal. Uh, that was just right. a, a layup game for him. But Christian Wilkins, I don't know if Dallas Cowboys fans are paying attention to this guy. He's probably the best uh, defensive tackle in the game this year. Uh, he's up to almost eight sacks. He's leading. I think he's second in the NFL in sacks. He, he's an, a run stopper. He's bull rushing uh, quarterbacks as of recent. So I think Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer, that defensive tackle combo is just going to wreak havoc on any line, especially the Dallas Cowboys this week. I think that's, they've been coming into their own this week and or the past few weeks. So I would expect that to keep on going. That's interesting. Um, and that's the perfect answer. Like, again, like somebody who, when, when you talk about the Dolphins, or I think you evaluate or begin to worry about them, like you get to like a million different things before you would get to maybe say Christian Wilkins. And that's not anything against Christian Wilkins. It's just a testament no. to who, who the Dolphins are. Um, who do, what do you trust the most to happen? Like what was the most like guaranteed? It could be positive or negative against the Dolphins here. But like the like the moment it happens, like, of course, like this was always going to happen between the Dolphins and Cowboys. That's a really good question because I actually have no idea what's going to happen in this game because the Cowboys just got trounced by Buffalo and the Dolphins mm-hmm. got trounced by Buffalo earlier in the season. Uh, we had the mishap against Tennessee, so we're not in a position where we necessarily should be. We should be number one in the AFC right now without the the Titans game, but we deserved that loss because we couldn't play defense at the end and the offense couldn't get one first down. So I, I just mm, – it's a tough question because Dak has been playing out of his mind, but – Y'all also, the Dallas Cowboys haven't been very good on the road. And Miami is notoriously very good at home, just like the Dallas Cowboys are. I think Miami's 17 and two in their last 19 games at home. So if it's warm, I, I would expect the Cowboys to be a little bit, a little bit heated on defense and a little too hot. Um, I, I think CD Lamb gets 100 yards, though. I think he's going to be one of the few guys that does it. DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs have done it earlier this season. I think he's the next one. Yeah, kind of a quiet day for CD last week. Obviously, a quiet day for everybody on the Cowboys, but I think that's right. a good bet. Obviously, playing incredibly well. I think like I'm not willing to like bet on either of my things, uh, but I think like whether Tyreek does or does not play, somebody on the Dolphins is, is going for like a 70 plus yard touchdown. The Cowboys gave up a 73 yard touchdown to DK Metcalf on that Thursday night football game, mm-hmm. um, and like that just feels like an easy kind of thing, easy prop to take in this game, just because of who the Dolphins are. And you know, I could see the Cowboys being a little bit too aggressive early on and kind of jumping at something, j- trying to to win two games at once, which you can't do. Um, so that's one hypothetical. The other thing I would lean on, I do think if Dallas wins this game, I think they do kind of, I wouldn't say run away with it but maybe get out to like a 10, 13, nothing lead and then just kind of put it on ice and chill because like I could see the dolphins at that point saying like, we have to live to fight another day. Like we've got the Ravens next week. Like, and that's, everybody was so mad last week. I don't know how well you were watching. Um, Mike McCarthy left Dak and CD and everybody in just to get pulverized by the bills when the game was so far out of question. Like this, like, again, you, you have to win every game in the NFL, but like the Ravens game is just looms so large, especially if they are able to lose on Monday night in San Francisco. Yeah, I don't know if you've been watching Hard Knocks, but I don't know if that'll be their mentality. I, I think they had that mentality heading into the Tennessee game, and they saw how that worked out. Uh, I, I don't know what the Hard Knocks episode is going to look like tonight. We're recording this on Tuesday, like you said. So we'll see how uh, Mike McDaniel and the boys kind of riled together and just uh, see what that week was like as opposed to the Tennessee week. I, I think they're one game at a time. They don't care what's happening outside anymore. I, I think they looked at all the, the leaderboards and the AFC right. standings and all that kind of stuff beforehand, and that threw them off. And they were thinking ahead. I, I don't think that's going to be a problem this year, uh, the rest of the season. So I think they're taking one game at a time, and we'll see what happens. I think it's going to be a really fun game because we don't get to watch the Cowboys and Dolphins play every year And now that I live in Dallas. And 
family's from Dallas and I'm a Dolphins fan. So it's a, it's a fun game for me to watch because I always root for the Cowboys outside of this game, obviously, every four years. Is that because of your family or because of Dak now? Uh, uh, more, more so me being born here and now me moving okay. here and I have some friends that are Cowboys fans. I, I've, and obviously my business partner, Apollo Des, he's a big Cowboys fan, even though he probably won't tell anyone outside of uh, our, <laughs> our office. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've just kind of always liked the Cowboys. How can you not? They're America's team growing up. Uh, Des has been on here before um, and, and <laughs> you know, kind of waved his Cowboys flag. Uh, but yeah, it does kind of seem to hide it a little bit more uh, when he's patrolling around, you know, the Crawford boxes, so to speak. Yes. Uh, but I mean, I can't say I blame him. Although the Cowboys-Texans <laughs> rivalry isn't really like that pronounced anymore. So I don't think no, you it's not. kind of have to hide it. Um, but so that's good to know that you root for the Cowboys. I have no beef with the Dolphins, um, except, you know, and I imagine you agree. It's time to go back to the old uniforms, the old logo specifically. Like this oh. new one is, is nobody likes it. Like no, you can't convince me that anybody enjoys this logo. Nobody does. No, the logo stinks. The white jerseys are awesome. If you could just make the logo look a little bit better with the current jerseys that they have, I'd be okay. I could stomach that one. But if there's ever a chance, just do it. Just wear the throwbacks. And, hey, I I read an NFL rule. Teams can wear one throwback or their third alternate jersey in the playoffs one time. So if the Dolphins just make a run and we make it to the Super Bowl, I, I'm going to be begging on my knees. I'm going to call Stephen Ross directly, even though I don't have his number or any contact, to get to Stephen Ross, the owner, and just demand that the Dolphins wear throwbacks at some point during the playoffs. I know you believe the Dolphins' aqua jerseys to be cursed a little bit, which is why I brought up what I did earlier. Yeah. But if, if they went throwback, like the old school logo, would you want? Because like, you have to go aqua then. You can't go throwback and go, I, I hate the orange tops. I'm sorry. But like you can't go oh, yeah. white. You can't go white tops if you're going to go. Th- you got to go all the way and go aqua and, and and break the curse. You know what I mean? Well, so good news. Uh, we're wearing our throwback aquas on Sunday against the Cowboys. Is this is this no. like breaking news? Oh no, this, this was announced before the season started. So okay. yeah, this is a this is a throwback. It makes me feel game. even better. Okay, so we're, we're going to have the, we're going to have the checkered end zone, the orange and white mm. checkered in the end zone, the throwback logo at midfield, and wear the aqua jerseys. The black shoes, the black accessories. Oh, I'm just, it's old school football. I'm ready. Yeah. And once it gets darker, obviously, once the sun sets, this, this is going to look really pretty. I never really realized how much I appreciated Hard Rock Stadium, honestly, until the Miami Grand Prix was there. It, it was it was that mm-hmm. moment that I was like, this is kind of a cool building. Um, I never really gave it its its due, you know, love. So that's my bad. Um, last one before predictions, you brought it up. Yep. What have you thought about the in season hard knocks? Because those don't really tend to hit. Um, it's kind uh, yeah. of. So like the Cardinals had one one year and the Colts and had the Colts, one yeah, and, those stuff. and they were both stinkers. Yeah. <laughs> bad teams. And then <laughs> and it was just bad teams to choose for the, the premise of hard knocks. It's been uh, refreshing and interesting to watch and see what's going on because two is a very private guy. So you don't get a lot of to uh, interview clips or just him on social media. Like he's just everything on social media is a brand deal with Tua right. for the most part, except for like the occasional Dolphins post where he's he's hyping up. So you get to get a little bit more to it. And then any more screen time of Mike McDaniel, I'm always in on. He's the most interesting man in football because of how his brain works and what he says and how he says it. Uh, I love Mike McDaniel. So any more time I can get with him, absolutely. I'm all in on that. So I think this Dolphins team has a bunch of personalities that work for this hard knocks. And they were not looking forward to being on hard knocks. No one wanted it. Uh, So it was interesting to see how they were going to act once they were put on hard knocks and it's been, it's been fun to watch. I I didn't enjoy last week because that was the Titans 
right. week in, in, <laughs> in that game. So that was a little bit hard. I think I waited till Thursday or Friday to even watch that episode. I, I, I wasn't ready yet. So can't say I blame you. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, that's well um, assessed. All right. So prediction and you reserve the right to change this obviously, because we are recording mm-hmm. Tuesday. If Tyreek news comes out or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, but who wins kind of, you don't have to offer a score, but just kind of general vibes for how you see this game unfolding. Yeah, so it's a throwback week, which means hard rock is going to be rocking. Absolutely. Okay. Every year that they have a throwback game, it, it's obviously a little bit more juice is put into the fans. Uh, the last time I was at a throwback game was the Patriots game to end the 2021 season where okay. Brian Flores right. infamous, infamously won the game and then was fired the next morning. Fun times. <laughs> but the throwback game. Won the game to finish the eight game winning streak to close the season. Yeah, they went a, a one and seven to eight and seven to nine and eight. Yeah, right. it was okay. a gross, gross season. But Throwback games are always interesting. I think the throwback games actually bring out hard-nosed football. So I think the game might be a little bit faster. Like game clock's going to run out a little bit faster because I think they're going to run the ball a lot more. So I don't think they're going to score 35, 31 points. I, I I think the Dolphins are somewhere in the high 20s. And I expect the Cowboys to be somewhere in the 20s as well. So I'm, I'm going to pick the Dolphins, obviously. But I think it's going to be a hard-fought game. And it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of hard hits. Yeah, Um when the Cowboys wear their Thanksgiving throwbacks, it does feel a little bit different. Some of that's just, it's Thanksgiving and there's a different kind yeah. of energy about that. Um, but they have beaten the Dolphins in their throwbacks in the Super Bowl before. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, got that going for it. And I'm, in a game that I believe was played in Miami, if my uh, memory serves me right there. Um, so, you know, tough scene, uh, Super Bowl six. Uh, but that did <laughs> uh, that did spark the perfect season. So, you know, you're yeah. welcome. Uh, but yeah, um, you, yeah, I think this is a... If you're doing like squares or something, I think this is a weird week because uh, I think there might be like some two-point conversions. These are two really aggressive play callers. I think it's like a 29-25 kind of game. I'm kind of with you on, on the high 20 sort of thing. Maybe a last-second score to win. I'm obviously taking the Cowboys. I do think that they have just a little bit more to play for um, in that small sense. I don't say that at all to diminish you know, or in, imply that Miami doesn't care or anything like that, but it's so hard not to look ahead to that massive ball. It's not like, oh, we got the – a really important division game against the Patriots. It's no, no, no. Like that could be for the one seed. And it's not like even Baltimore's playing a crap team this week. Like they could, they could lose that game, the Ravens. So um, I'm going to lay in that direction. Uh, So while you're here and since, you know, DFW followers put up with our Astros love uh, (laughs) predictions for the Astros, the Mavericks and the stars right here on Tuesday, December 19th. Uh, Stars are going to make a Stanley cup finals appearance. I don't know if they win it or not. They're they're good enough. They're going to bring up some some guys in, in the, on the Texas Stars. They're going to have some defensive reinforcements come trade deadline too. Mavericks okay. are going to be a top six seed, um, and they're going to make the second round. I, I don't know if they have to play Denver in the second round. We're screwed. Uh, no one's beating Denver. Uh, yeah, and the Astros. Uh, we'll win the AL West again. We'll be back. We won't spend any money, but we'll figure that out. <laughs> Like, how can they? Now there's all the Space City <laughs> home network, you know, yeah, trauma. it's a disaster. Uh, um, so, wow, that's as far as you're willing to go. It's just, say, when the AOS. I kind of well, that, that's guaranteed. You don't have to play in that. They're not going to play in the wild card round. They're okay. going to get that first round by again. So they'll host the ALDS. And they won't pay Kyle Tucker or Fromber. So They're not going to pay anyone ever again. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, Stone is on Twitter at Apollo Stoney, kind of a hub for everything he does. Uh, everybody check out Apollo Media. All the podcasts. Give all the plugs and everything right now, please. Yeah, so we have an NFL podcast, Play Action Takes. It's all on Apollo HOU YouTube. So hit that subscribe button. Turn those noties on. I also do Zero Gravity NBA podcast. So general NFL NBA podcast, Play Action Takes, Zero Gravity. 
you're not going to want to listen to any Texan stuff, probably not any Astro stuff. So go check out our pop culture stuff as well. Uh, watch with Apollo on YouTube. We do a lot of a lot of fun games on TikTok and we throw that stuff on YouTube as well. So a lot of movie, a lot of pop culture stuff. I love the pop culture stuff. So last thing as we leave, give us a movie show recommendation. Um, you said that you waited to watch Hard Knocks last week, maybe something mm -hmm. you were watching in the meantime. Um, I'm having a real hard time finding a new show to stick my teeth into. My wife uh, is a big Crown fan, so I tried to watch it. Okay. It's too slow. Too slow. I, I yeah. need it. You know, so I need something. It's so, so for me and the listeners and the viewers, give us something to watch. If you're not... If you've already watched Game of Thrones and you haven't watched House of Dragon, that's coming back this summer, season two. Okay. So get into House of Dragon if you've already watched Game of Thrones, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones. It's been like seven years. Like, let's get on it, guys. Uh, I'm We're a big uh, reality TV uh, oh, household dude. here. So we're all into the Real Housewives. We're into Southern Charm as of recent. Okay. So Southern Charm has been blaring at all moments during the day for the most part. So <laughs> bravo. We love bravo. I'm big reality TV and my household is as well. Um, we got the Survivor finale coming out ah, this Wednesday. Yeah. Um, love the challenge on MTV always. Um, and uh, if you haven't checked it out, I would encourage you to to give Lego Masters a spin. Like that is a show sure. that, that like people think like, oh, it's just people doing Lego. No, no, no. Like this is a really <laughs> epic show. Um, and I'm Will Arnett is a great host. Um, oh. Lego, it's on, I think it's on Hulu um, if you want to okay. catch up. But I highly, highly recommend Lego Masters. Oh, I'm, that sounds great. Will Arnett, I'm in. All right. Uh, Stone, you're the man. Give us one final word and we say goodbye. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a fun week. Uh, let's try not to kill each other on Twitter. It's going to be it's going to be a fun game. Let's uh, let's both get into the playoffs healthy and have a good time in January. Yeah, let's meet back up in February. Let's just do that. I'm down. Let's go to Vegas. I want to give a big time shout out, big time thank you to Stone for taking the time to join us. Super fun conversation, uh, super great, super chill vibe. Uh, if you don't believe me, you should check out the video version of the interview. You can watch that on the blog and the boys YouTube channel. If you like Stone and you want to see his Dallas Mavericks and Dallas Stars content, you can follow him on Twitter at Apollo Stoney. He definitely has me feeling more fearful um, of the Miami Dolphins than I probably was. Uh, but I've been in a weird spot with this game. Now, for full context, I spoke to Stone um, on Tuesday of this week and to Aaron on Wednesday. So I have kind of, especially you, or you especially know this if you watched our roundtable, I've kind of landed on the take that the Dolphins don't totally need this game because they have their game against the Ravens lurking. But obviously it's an important game. But as Aaron noted, even, you know, if either team, one team's going to lose it, but whichever team loses it doesn't necessarily see their probabilities for the things they ultimately want to accomplish swing in a massive way but you do still have to win every team every fan base is rooting for their team to win and speaking of things that we are rooting for uh quickly i wanted to let you know all of the things on the dallas cowboys rooting guide that we have assembled for you this week at blogging the boys now i mentioned you can watch the conversation i had with stone on the youtube channel i will also do a video completely and totally based on the rooting guide uh that will probably come out let's say on Friday, Friday or Saturday on the YouTube channel. Uh, let's shoot for Friday. Uh, but anyway, uh, there are a lot of things at, at stake for the Cowboys. There are in total 10 games, 10 non-Cowboys games that we are paying attention to. So literally almost every game in the NFL. Um, and the reason for this is because we have reached the point, the potential point where 
the strength of victory tiebreaker will come into play relative to breaking the tie, the potential and, and probable tie between the Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. And strength of victory means how strong your opponents were that you beat, how robust their records were. So uh, at present time, the Eagles hold that tiebreaker. The teams that they have beaten have a better aggregate record than the teams who the Cowboys have beaten. That's what strength of victory is. So what we're rooting for, in essence, is for the teams who the Eagles beat to lose games, right? To worsen, to, to you know diminish their strength of victory. And for the teams who the Cowboys beat to pick up some wins so that their strength of victory climbs. I'll be honest with you and tell you that it's unlikely um, that this ultimately winds up happening. But if you're wondering what to root for, nevertheless, over Christmas weekend, we've got you. Also, Jess Haney will write about this at blogontheboys.com if you want to read an article. And we will as we always do share the graphic all across social media so that you have it as the weekend unfolds. Uh, we're rooting for the Chargers over the Bills because the Cowboys beat the Chargers, obviously, and lost to the Bills and because the Eagles beat the Bills. We're rooting for the Jets to beat the Commanders. Remember, the Cowboys beat the Jets and the Eagles lost to the Jets. So that's one of those double-up ones as well. So is the Seattle Seahawks. We're rooting for them to beat the Tennessee Titans. Again, Dallas beat Seattle. Philadelphia lost to Seattle. We're rooting for the Carolina Panthers to beat the Green Bay Packers. The Cowboys beat the Panthers. We're rooting for the Detroit Lions to beat the Minnesota Vikings. And I know that the Lions are obviously right there in the mix uh, for the potential two or three seed, which Dallas could be as well. But the Cowboys still have yet to play the Lions, and the Eagles did not. So that could obviously improve the strength of victory if and when Dallas beats Detroit next Saturday night. Next up, the Jacksonville Jaguars are playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're not so much rooting for the Jaguars as much as we're rooting against the Buccaneers. Remember, Philly beat Tampa earlier in the season, so we want to bring down that strength of victory. The Chicago Bears are visiting, or excuse me, are playing the Arizona Cardinals. We want to see the Cardinals lose because that will, in all likelihood, be another win that the Eagles pick up that the Cowboys did not. So we don't want their strength of victory to improve in any sense. The Las Vegas Raiders are playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Once again, the Eagles beat the Chiefs. We want that strength of victory to fall. Those are all of the strength of victory games. There are eight of them that are associated with that specific thing. There are two kind of things at play uh, that have defined the games we're rooting for, strength of victory is one the last one is just kind of common duh you know division top seeding and for that matter i think you know the two games are rooting for the new york giants to beat the philadelphia eagles cowboys still need the eagles in all likelihood overwhelming likelihood to lose at least one game so we want to see that happen and it is still possible, technically speaking, that Dallas could be the one seed if they catch the break they need in the divisional race. But if they are to be the one seed, they need the Niners to lose two of their fi final, excuse me, three games. And obviously that means we're rooting against San Francisco. So we are rooting for Baltimore on Christmas night. All told, 10 teams besides the Cowboys, Chargers, Jets, Seahawks, Panthers, Lions, Jaguars, Bears, Raiders, Giants, and Ravens, of course, and a partridge and a pear tree. You can check that out all over the blog on the Boys Universe. Like I said, Jess will write the article at our site. I will do the video if you want to see everything. I know that was kind of a lot of information thrown at you in a very fast and compressed way after two wonderful interviews, but just in case you're traveling or you're driving or whatever, you don't have a chance, and this was the one piece of content you chose to consume, first of all, wow, thank you. That means a lot to me. Uh, but I wanted to make sure that you were taken care of. So big thank you to Aaron Schatz from FTN Fantasy. Everybody check out. FTN Fantasy. They are the very best in the business. Big thank you to Apollo Stoney. Everybody check out Apollo Media. Maybe I'll check out House of the Dragon. I don't know if I have the time. Who knows what time is really at this point.
in time. Uh, big thank you and big shout out to you. Um, I will see you again uh, in all likelihood on Sunday night after the Dallas Cowboys hopefully beat the Miami Dolphins. Our post-game show coming to you live on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel, Blog of the Boys Twitch channel, and Blog of the Boys Facebook page. We will, of course, as always, turn around and podcast that for you right here on the Blog of the Boys podcast network. Uh, we'll have a bit of a brief adjustment in schedule across the network obviously with christmas day being next monday if for some reason i don't talk to you if for some reason you don't have time to watch the post game show or listen uh maybe the way that you normally do because you will be with family maybe you're with the kids maybe you are traveling whatever's going on it's obviously the holidays i just want you to say or i just want to say to you it means the world i say this all the time but because it is so true that you give us that you give me your time that we can share this thing that we love in the dallas cowboys obviously when they're successful like this it makes it all the more fun but even when they're not even when it's a down year it is still just as great of a gift that you have given us so thank you i wish you and yours a very wonderful a very merry a very happy a very safe a very blessed christmas christmas season and a happy new year so uh yeah let's go ahead and uh let's get this bread um we will see you manana my friends as always go cowboys and peace out